welcome to South London Hardcore, probably the best London podcast. Definitely. <laughs> no, not even South London. Just Defin- no, definitely London. the best South London podcast. I'd argue probably it's the, the best, best podcast London about podcast. any capital city and indeed city in the world. You ever listen to uh, Paris More No More? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jack McEnroy. What's, what's real in Rio? That's a nice one, right? That's uh, Steve Walsh doing that. <laughs> that Today we're going to be uh, talking about the cradle of the British Navy. Deptford, Deep Ford, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that where we get the name from? That is where we get the name Deptford from. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a settlement that uh, was established along the River Ravensbourne, um, basically because the river was particularly deep along there, and that meant um, there was some good fishing to be had, and also it was um, useful as a dock. And obviously, initially that would be just. A nice place for uh, ships to stop off. So just a settlement that actually forms around. Good place to stop, good place to... Uh... Bit of a rogue tap in there. <laughs> it's a nice effect though. We're talking about water. I'm talking about, you know, yeah. uh, boats and fishing. Yeah, no gunshot went off in these fields. So. <laughs> it looks like we've got really bad, uh, a really bad foliarist, but it's just a uh, natural occurrence. We've got a really it? good foliarist. We've got a brilliant foliarist. So you'll give us some history in, in a second, Steve, yeah? That's right. Yeah. We uh, had a little trip up to Deptford uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, you learnt some things, didn't you? you yeah, absolutely. assumptions. Yeah. And this is the yeah. thing, you want to do this podcast from Wikipedia, don't you? <laughs> Ideally. But I think this week you learnt that that's not possible. Ideally, I'd do it purely from my own prejudices. But I'm prepared to go to Wikipedia to have those prejudices corrected. And then, occasionally, actually go and see what things are really like. What was your experience at Deptford pre uh, this week? You ever been there? Only the only other time I can I can think of going through it was with you when we were coming back from uh, Surrey Docks. Yeah, I've um, well, I used to live in New Cross, obviously, so you know, pass through a bit. Yeah, we'd been to Surrey Docks. We were walking back to New Cross, but there was a Spurs game on that day. I'm not going to talk about which Spurs game. Don't because, talk about uh, Spurs game. It's infamous. Um, but uh, we were looking to stop off at a pub on the way and we were walking down Deptford High Street and I was like, it's got to be loads of pubs, Deptford mm. High Street. And it was remarkable because what you could clearly see were the facades of buildings that had definitely been pubs, very sort of recognisable shapes, the windows and, and the walls and the, the layout, but had turned into betting shops and uh, sort of local markets. As a kid, I used to go swimming now and then at Wavelengths and uh, which is just through the market so you get off the bus and like Addy and stand over school and then walk down the market mm-hmm. around the corner um, which was a great swimming bar it's changed a lot since I don't know how similar the swimming bar is but you know there's a library in the building as well now so I wonder the library's since moved as well isn't it Wavelengths Library yeah it's been relocated to into uh Part of the Deptford Lounge. It was always a bit edgy though, I thought, man. Like, me and my friends got chased around there once. Quite uh We had to leg it back to... Exciting uh, chase or scary chase? Uh, you know sometimes when no, you're kids, was... you get chased by bigger kids and like, it's fine, you're always going to get away. And it's no, just, I mean, it's uh, one thing if you kind of chuck an apple at a homeless person and they chase you. This is more <laughs> like someone who just wants to get your 45p out of your pocket. Right. Yeah, scary so, chase. Yeah, scary chase. Yeah. But yeah, it was... Um, yeah, the markets always seem similar to East Street but probably more of a, more of a flea market 
yeah, the market was closed on the day we went, but as we, which is a shame. Yeah, but as I said, we we've done East Street so recently that I think we just end up covering a lot of the same ground. I mean, if if you want to hear us talk about a market, there's a very recent episode with uh, some actual uh, market footage and everything. Yeah, if you go to uh, Deptford.tumblr.com, it's a photo blog of stuff this guy's bought in uh, Deptford Market over the years, and there's some uh, tremendous stuff in there. It's all a lot of kind of ephemera, isn't it? Yeah, some great photos. The highlight, probably, if you can't make it to the market, well, the highlight probably being the uh, Man United notebook. What's going on with this hat, man? <laughs> I dug it. Not been. Uh... A little, a little turn. Let's close it off. Yeah, I'll lock it down in a second. The highlight probably being the um, Man United notebook. Yeah, uh, eight-year-old has uh, made notes on uh, how good Alex Stepney is. The front of the book says Man United. He's, he started with number one, isn't he? The goalkeeper. And just not got beyond it. But it's a very detailed analysis of the qualities that make Alex Stepney. The, uh, mm. you know. I suspect he might have copied it out of uh, a newspaper. No, I suspect uh, it's probably like Paul Hayward's uh, notebook. <laughs> and where is he now? <laughs> Stepford starts out as a fishing village on the edge of the River Ravensbourne. Uh, it's mentioned in the Canterbury Trails, um, which obviously start in Borough, so we sort of get an idea of the route moving through South London. Um, it's mentioned in the Reeves Town. I don't know in what context. I imagine they just rest at Deptford, but it's all spelt a bit off isn't it <laughs> the earliest sort of major occurrence in history is um, the Battle of Deptford Bridge in 1497 which is an incident where uh, some Cornish rebels march on London to protest about high levels of taxation it's uh, quite an interesting thing where they, they start off in Cornwall gather some Cornish people and then their idea is to go across the country and just try and add to their forces by finding more and more people that are um, upset at these levels of taxation. They managed to get like 10,000 people from Cornwall. They go to Kent because Kentish people apparently have a reputation uh, for being a bit rebellious and a bit difficult. And they're disappointed because the Kentish people sort of go, we're actually fine with this. <laughs> so they carry on on their own. And um, eventually they're confronted by the King's Force in Deptford. There's 10,000 Cornish and 25,000 of the King's troops they're outnumbered they also have no cavalry and artillery so the King's forces are bigger and better equipped so they're trounced um, the leader of the rebels is a man called Michael Angoff A-N space G-O-F which is uh, an odd name he um, scarpers and is eventually captured in Greenwich so keeps it like didn't get far <laughs> But as you said, uh, the major transformation of Deptford from uh, a shipping village, a, fish, a fishing village, and uh, a site of a battle is the establishment of naval dockyards by uh, Henry VIII in the 16th century. So you have the naval dockyards open, which is a place to sort of build and repair ships. And he also establishes. 50 years to yeah. build and repair ships. Yeah, it's incredible, wasn't it? And did establish, you know a form of industry around the place. You also have Trinity House open up at the same time, which is um, the navigational authority for uh, Britain. So they're in charge of making sure that it's safe to actually travel around the coast. 
And with these dockyards, you get the beginnings of... Well, you get British naval domination, which then gives the opportunity for the rise of the British Empire. You know, it all comes from these, these ships and these docks. And that's sort of cemented with the transformation from... what You know, once the battles are won and it becomes essentially a commercial enterprise at that point, the shipyards are transformed into like the springboard of the empire. It's the, There's a, a base there for, uh, there for the East India Company, which then goes around the world gathering uh, supplies to sell a profit. And because you have uh, this naval history, you have very various uh, famous characters in British naval history that have their moments. Drake, Raleigh, Nelson. Cook. Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sir Francis Drake is knighted in Deptford, but not by Queen Elizabeth. Uh, it's a French nobleman who uh, is nominated by Queen Elizabeth to uh, actually dob uh, Drake. Uh, to basically give Drake's overseas enterprises the seal of approval from the French and sort of cement relations between the two countries. Basically, Drake was described at the time as an adventurer and a privateer, but we'd probably call him a pirate nowadays. He was essentially going around armed and just nicking stuff off people on it. Um, but, you know, to sort of... You, you just have the whole thing where as long as the French nod along, you know, it's all good. We must sure. Uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, legend has it, laid down his cape to uh, Queen Elizabeth in Deptford. Do you know this story? I don't. Um, yeah, himself. We did have a uh, Walter Raleigh, uh, Queen Elizabeth I story in we did. Brixton, we? we did, yeah, where uh, Elizabeth jumps on a boat to uh, head down the Afra to go and uh, visit him in Brixton. Well, this time, she's popped over to Deptford to pay him a visit. Mm. And uh, it's been raining, or, well, also... You know, it's a naval. It's a naval yard. There's going to be plenty of water around. They're walking along, and uh, there's a puddle in front of them. And Walter Raleigh removes his cape and lays it across the puddle. She just walk around it. Well, she's the queen, isn't she? She's not walking around things, is she? She's got people prepared to ruin perfectly good capes. Mm. Um, like Drake, Raleigh, um, a very famous character in uh, English history. But again, don't look too closely because, you know. They're both implicated in uh, slavery, imperial adventures. Neither of them have got a good history in Ireland. They both uh, got a little too involved. Really? Yeah, Ra- they claim that uh, Walter Raleigh... Was it Raleigh... to do with him and potatoes? Well, there's, there's a claim that he introduced a potato to Ireland. And they uh, took it back. <laughs> but if, if he brought the potato to England, uh, is the story. And tobacco. So basically... Um, he introduced the potato to Ireland. That sounds like a match made in heaven. Well, he didn't. Uh, the, the, they, they think they think the potato uh, po- probably came uh, from Vikings rather than Raleigh. He bought he bought um, death and destructions ones. Certainly, we can definitely uh, attribute that to him. Um, yeah, he, so you know, legend has it he bought a potato and uh, tobacco to Britain. Which, if you look, smoking at, and chips, it, yeah, exactly. If you look, yeah, this yeah. is the thing. He's he's basically the the source of all our woes at the moment. <laughs> Jamie Oliver would not be happy. Jay, Jamie Oliver has not got a Sawater Raleigh bust <laughs> up in any of his uh, restaurants. Um, it's also, uh, Deptford's also the base for uh, a lot of James Cook's uh, adventures, which again is uh, you know, imperial 
actions to uh, strengthen Britain's economic position in the world. You know, more directly, you've got uh, John Hawkins, uh, a slave trader who operated his business out of Deptford. Uh, um, probably the most famous transaction in the history of British slavery, uh, Aluda Ekrano is sold at uh, at Deptford. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And obviously, and now he's got a goes. little uh, bust in Telegraph Hill Park just up the road. Yep. So that balances out, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not forty acres of the mill, or indeed one acre. <laughs> it's a little bust. Later on, you get uh, other famous residents in Deptford. John Evelyn, who was a famous diarist. Evelyn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, his legacy is still there. There's like Evelyn Road, which is one of the major roads there. Um, the highlight of his stay in Deptford is probably when um, Tsar Peter the Great from Russia comes over to uh, stay in Deptford three months to study shipbuilding. Wow. I like the idea of uh, a monarch going, I'll have a trade. <laughs> yeah. And it's the thing. I'm going to build ships. If you look at how it ended up for the Russian royal family, good to have a fallback position there. Good to sort of go, uh, you know, they all got killed and stuck down a mine shaft. But if they were just deposed, then it would have given them something to fall back on. Um, and we've, as we were walking around Deptford, we found uh, Tsar Street, didn't we? Which you'd imagine yeah. is a legacy of that visit. Um, because Peter the Great comes over as a student. And, uh, you know, it's it's the 17th century, but he's not afraid to embrace uh, the cliches of student life. Um, <laughs> there's a story where... He watched a lot of countdown. Well, him and his friends get drunk, and um, they're pushing him round Evelyn's house and gardens in a wheelbarrow, <laughs> and um, managed to push him through a holly hedge, which Evelyn wasn't happy about at all. <laughs> You've got to imagine that like, Peter the Great's like the proud <laughs> student and John Evelyn's like the uh, in charge of the halls. And he's like... The dean. Yes. <laughs> he's like leaning out of a window sort of shaking his fist as they uh, ran through a holly hedge. He's like... Uh, uh, they, well, someone needs to make a kind of a period animal house. <laughs> just Sir Peter the Great uh, just sort of running around to the wheelbarrow with uh, John Evelyn, yeah, shaking his fist. I don't know. <laughs> Probably the most famous incident in the history of Deptford is the murder of Christopher Marlowe. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, badness associated with Deptford, isn't there? Yeah, I, got, I mean... I got chased that time, Christopher Marlowe. <laughs> <laughs> Slavery. Um, again, there's a lot of, of mixed stories about the incident. Stabbed um, in the brain. Yeah, that'll do it, won't it? Yeah. In a tavern is what most people believe, but it was actually a woman called Eleanor Ball's house. But I mean, it was she was a widow. Yeah, she she was. Oh, I read Widow Ball's house. I thought that was the name of a pub. No, that's thing. Yeah, that's it. Has people often will just sort of say, "Yeah, Marlowe was killed in a pub in Deptford over a disputed bill." Yeah, um, killed by a man called Ingram Fraser, who uh, yeah, they argued they basically they were at this woman's house and they it was basically a house party. And you know, someone's gone around to the off license and come back <laughs> with uh, a six pack. And Marlowe's maybe had four of those rather than the three supposed to have. And Fry's just noticed that and gone, well done, this isn't a 50 50 split. Cause you, and you had the what's it. <laughs> so really, it's another pound, Jeremy. And rather than just sort of give him a pound, they just st- tried to stab each other in the head. Wow. There's a lot of um, theories about the background to this. It's seen as just an issue as a, a tavern room brawl or a. A, a brawl between two drunk men but when you analyse uh, the people who were in the house that day every one of them at some point were implicated 
in espionage for. Yeah, I watched a video on YouTube where a woman was just saying, yeah, this person was a spy, and this person who was also a witness was also a spy, and yeah. this person was a con man. <laughs> it's almost like someone's definitely got stabbed in the head on that. This is, there's no way this is going on. My favourite theory as to why Marlowe was killed that day... Um, when you say favourite, you mean least likely. Very much so. Entirely impossible. Um, have you heard of John D? No. He was uh, the court astrologer to Queen Elizabeth. And legend, when I say legend, there's like four people uh, saying mm. this. Legend has it that he, in Mudshoot, found a place called an Omphalos, which is a place of important uh, magical positioning. It's basically where ley lines meet. And he realised that if he could uh, cast a spell at this point, he could give birth to the British Empire. He was obsessed with the idea of the British Empire. A lot of people... And he was involved in um, a lot of the organisation of the British Navy on a very practical level. But the idea was that as a, a magician as well, to sort of strengthen this, he cast a spell to give birth to the British Empire. And he cast a spell and nothing happened, so he realised he needed a blood sacrifice. And that day, he'd brought along his friend... Christopher Marlowe and realised one of Matt's died. So I arranged shortly afterwards for it to look like uh, a brawl over a, a bill. But it was actually the blood sacrifice needed for John Dee to give birth to the British Empire. Well, no evidence for that, except for a, uh, a dead man. Any evidence that he, uh, Marlowe made a pact with the devil? Another theory, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that Faust. was. Faust. Yeah. So just dropping the reference, literary references there for. Well, another great literary reference. older listeners. Um, Anthony Burgess, who obviously famously did uh, A Clockwork Orange, also did a book called uh, A Dead Man in Deptford, which is all about Marlowe's uh, life and death. Um, eventually, similarly to um, Surrey Docks, which we talked about in earlier episodes. Um, Seven. Numbers, always it. Or, or eight or nine. <laughs> Check our episode guide on uh, com. Yeah, the um, the docks decline when, with industrialisation, you get boats that are essentially too large to be built, even in this particularly deep part of the Ford. But Deptford adapts, it moves into victualling, which is supplying food and water to ships. So it becomes like a supply point um, with uh, butcheries set up along the docks to prepare meat to go onto ships. Yeah, it became basically a, a port for livestock, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Slaughterhouses as well. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, massive, masses of animals brought in. Millions. Yeah, it, yeah. It's industrial level. It's because it is. It's it's the, the you know food being brought in to travel around the country and food being brought to go onto ships to go out of the country. So it's uh, yeah, it's a remarkable. Uh, Remarkable feat of adaptation for the docks to sort of realise that shipbuilding's out of the question and the navy isn't um, as important as it once was, so just adapt. But even that doesn't last, and eventually, in two thousand, the last dock closes. Yeah, and um, most of the land, the Ministry of Defence sold it to News International. Yeah, or certainly That's parts right. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point as well, it changed hands from Lewisham Council to Greenwich Council. <laughs> um. Yeah, so now, what you've got now is, uh, as you've got everywhere in London, just, and even more so by the river, just housing developments just springing up non-stop. I mean, when we went around there, it's like walking around Dubai, isn't it? 
Because it's pouring down with rain, so not in terms of the weather. <laughs> but, Monsoon season. But yeah, just um, it's just uh, building works everywhere. Just high rise glass flats going up all over the place. Well, it was interesting to sort of, to, as I say, to go there because before going there, it annoyed me that it seemed like this was the only part of the docks that hadn't been regenerated that was just sort of being left to to rack and ruin. But you're seeing, you know, developments going now. It's not the wrong sort of developments. No, it is. The trouble, <laughs> no, because what the trouble is, obviously, I mean, it's nice to have nice buildings everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. like to have nice houses. But the, like we've got a major problem where we're not interested in making social housing anymore. Yeah. And so as a result of it, you're just crippling people financially. Like We have such a difficult time paying the rent. I mean, it's just such an insane amount of money. You can't get involved... The only way to live somewhere is to enter into a situation where you're making somebody else rich, you know, where you're paying off somebody else. So you're paying for somebody else to have private land. That's the only way you can afford to live anywhere in London. I mean, it's abs- well. It's in a forthcoming episode, we're going to be talking about uh, some buildings in South London, uh, including the Shard. And uh, yeah, there's a remarkable story to be told there about the deployment of space set against price. Also, Steve, you've got the oldest train station or possibly in the world there. You know, as in... You told me that as we were passing. I've, I've never heard that before. And it was... Uh, 1836, I think it is. So it's the oldest in London. And then in, on Wikipedia it says maybe in the world. But I reckon... I mean, but like, you get on a train there, where are you going? There's nowhere else, is there? <laughs> a couple of churches there as well, right? Um, we went past St Nicholas's and someone had uh, kind of chalk, done some chalk on the outside. Of, what did it say? So many things. It was like a long quote it's about... talking about history. Yeah. Um, history is everything. Yeah. Also, it's got like skull and crossbones on the, on the gate, which is pretty uh, Well, it's rad. carvings, literally sort of three-dimensional carvings of a skull and crossbones, isn't it? Mm. It's not just like an etching. It's a... It's what I say. A, a, the a tower is 500 years old, Jim. I mean, that obviously shows. Wasn't there some link to Christopher Marlowe there? Did he have a funeral there or something? Was it buried there? They've got a plaque. I think they've got okay. a plaque or something. But the other church, right, St Paul's, which we didn't end up going to. Um, I, I, in um, I got a book called um, London by Arthur Me. I mentioned it before. Yeah, and uh, draw, draw on it heavily yeah. in a later episode. He describes St Paul's Church as uh, standing in a beautiful garden, crossed by an avenue of limes. I don't think that's accurate, is it? Certainly not anymore. Not it? now. Like, no lime grove, is there? No, they probably had to knock the line grove down to get a wolves in there or something, haven't they? I've written down John Harrison, founder and first surgeon at the London Hospital, but I don't know why. <laughs> Was he's he buried born? there. He's buried oh, okay. These notes, it's like a, an ancient script, isn't it? You're sort of analysing it. And, it was uh, pouring down with rain when we went to Deptford. It was. And as a result, I've got uh, Caribbean coleslaw all over, <laughs> and uh, water all over it. When we popped in to, uh, we'll get back to some uh, history in a moment, Steve. Of course. Not history, more culture in it. Let's come, let's come culture up. is what we're moving on to. But we went to, we'll tell people about our meal first, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We walked down the Deptford High Street looking for somewhere to eat. and uh, Plenty of options, to be fair. Yeah. Which is us being fussy, weren't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we went into a pie mash, right? Because as you've heard on previous shows, you know, it's a fine South London tradition. There's two there's two pie mashes opposite each other on Deptford High Street, which is just unheard of really. Yeah. You know, probably in East London there's like three out of every four shops is a pie mash. <laughs> An ill house. But anyway, they didn't have any steak and kidney pud they didn't have any pudding. They only had pie. And since we neither of us are huge fans of it, we moved on. We went to uh, Star Jerk Hut 
uh, where they also have the laminated black people posters. And what a great range because they had ones that I recognise. Like, they had a Jimi Hendrix poster up that I had on my bedroom wall as a kid. Did they have a two pack holding a baby? Probably. Yeah, that was on one side. And then on the other side, it was very sort of uh, biblical things, wasn't it? A lot of laminated. Yeah, uh, there's a lot. Verses. You get a lot of uh, kind of facts as well about countries. So you have like a map of Jamaica. You might have a list of famous Jamaicans, whatever. Um, yeah, so it was you know standard decor. And yeah, not reason, very reasonably priced as well. You get the lunchtime special three fifty, any meat and rice, and a drink for three fifty. Very good. Um, I went for the jerk chicken, Steve. You went for the fried chicken. I did. I thought it was very nice, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if Lakeisha's listening, yeah, my wife, and she obviously isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she wouldn't trust me to uh, be given a definitive opinion on Jamaican food. But I would say it was better than. Probably say it's better than the two at New Cross. My opinion is even less valid than yours. Uh, but I've got one criticism to make, which is... Um, the lady didn't speak clearly enough. <laughs> it was more, uh, you know, I asked for uh, chicken, rice and peas. And then when I open up my box, I've got chicken, rice and beans in it. Yeah, it was kidney a bit, beans. And yeah, that, it was a bit beany. That's and and kidney beans. It's not close, is it, to peas? I love peas. Yeah, don't mind kidney beans, but you know when you're ready for something, I was like chicken, rice, and peas. This is <laughs> <gonna be> <laughs> I was like chicken oh. and rice and peas. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I also had um, a potato salad. I did ask for planting, but she didn't give it. To well, me. there was also and a dumpling. Oh yeah, so it was good, man. But there was also an issue where as you walked in, you slightly moved the chair with your foot by accident, put it back, and then and the woman wasn't even there when it happened. But she came out, and before she'd even think about taking her orders, she asked you to put the chair back where it was. So I don't know if she heard the sound. I think she or... must have heard my, me kick it. Yeah, but no, it was uh, highly recommended, man. Star joke, huh? And then we went in to eat in Twinkle Gardens, was it? Yeah, Twinkle Gardens, which is... Uh, odd yeah, little park, man. Very odd. Well, it's an odd name for a start. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve, take me back to 1976. Well, I was one. <laughs> well, yeah, um, as a more general point, uh, I think what's interesting with Deptford is with the sort of closing of the docks, it's sort of tapping into uh, its... Sort of geographical position and its history as a sort of cultural nexus now you know it's in this interesting place where it's almost equidistant between uh, well actually no closer to goldsmiths but sort of between university of greenwich university of um, and goldsmiths college so you and you know as we talked about in previous episodes the new cross episode and uh our south london playlist episode our south london music video episode there's an episode guide on south london um this particular area is um, sort of very ripe creatively, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. a lot of, uh, uh, you know, and it is a legacy of goldsmiths is close by, creative people come to live in the area to study, end up hanging around. You end up with... Yeah, uh, it's nice and central as well, which yeah, you can't underestimate. Yeah. You've got the Broccoli comic scene that we talked about in a recent episode. You've got, you know, a lot of musicians, a lot of illustrators, visual artists, painters. And obviously... Musically, as you said, in 1976, um, it's at the forefront of the punk movement. Sniffing glue. Mark Perry, local boy, assisted by another local lad, Danny Baker, set up um, the most famous of the punk fanzines. Yeah, definitely. Got to be, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, at the same time, Mark Perry uh, establishes uh, his band, um, Alternative Television, ATV. Yeah, I've been listening to him a little bit, Steve, uh, in preparation for the show, because I wasn't really familiar with their work. But uh... Did you listen to My Love Lies Limp? Yeah. Good. Amazing. Isn't I really enjoyed it, man. Great I, um, Yeah, I, I just went on YouTube and listened to probably about 10, 11 tracks. So I'll definitely be diving in for more, more punk rock. Deptford Fun City, well, great name for a record label yeah, as well. Yeah, um, founded by Miles Copeland uh, of the Police to promote local. His brother acts. in the Police as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, his brother's in the Police. Brother's in, yes, sorry, yeah, Stuart Copeland, brother of yeah, member of the Police. Um, the Police, the band, not the. Uh, Gang of violent. Let's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, local bands that emerge at the time squeeze dire straits, and obviously ATV uh, themselves. Danny Baker goes from sniffing glue to write for Enemy, Melody Maker, various uh, music magazines. Claims to have discovered the fall. Saw them in Croydon. And wrote, uh, I think it is actually verifiable that he wrote their first, the first public re- published review oh, okay. of The Fall. Um, and spent years afterwards uh, just saying a lot that he discovered The Fall. Eventually, one Christmas... I can't imagine Mark Eastman is happy about that. One Christmas, he gets a Christmas card uh, from Marky e. Smith uh, that says, uh, Dear Danny... Here's your payment. Now shut up about it. <laughs> and there's a, a ten pence piece taped <laughs> into the Christmas cards. <laughs> yeah, I used to. Um, you're a big fan of Danny Baker, Steve. I'm you? a huge fan of Danny Baker. I mean, growing up, uh, my earliest probably m- memory of him as an individual was on um, Michael Aspel's uh, show, which I imagine you're far too young to remember. But he was this, like is, a, this is your life. No, it was, a, it, was, it was at five o'clock. He had this like show on uh, Friday nights and Danny Baker was like a roving reporter and he just sort of, uh, yeah, just uh, wander around. Uh, and it was, you know, similar to what we've talked about uh, with, you know, Lakeisha saying about the identification of uh, her family watching Desmond's. Watching, uh, you know, national network television seeing this uh, guy from South London wander around, not having to put on... Uh, a posh voice not having to pretend to be from somewhere else just being himself and being really funny and uh, yeah being successful was uh, was great great yeah I used to listen to him on the radio with Danny Kelly um, when I guess I was I don't know 17 15 around that time when he was on TalkSport basically well, well it was talk radio at the time yeah and I've since read that uh, they wanted him to do a talk a sports show like make it more and more sporty and he walked out like yeah. might have been somewhere else but he um, yeah it was great man we used to listen to it me and my friend Tim Marlon you know we'd uh, mentioned previously and he listened to the show and let me know he said, sent me a text and thanks for the shout out so it's worth shouting out Pete, to the people yeah I think yeah. so I think it so. adds that like, one extra listener for <laughs> but no and he got me uh, Danny Baker's own goals and gaps volume 2 or yeah. video on yeah. Christmas yeah Millwall fan but we're not that against him but he's alright um <laughs> Danny Baker, without wanting to get too uh, political, <laughs> too carried away, transformed the face of uh, British sports broadcasting. His stint on 606 essentially gave birth to talk sport radio, um, arguably a lot of what came out of Sky's uh, coverage. Mm. 
Just a much more candid against him either. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, you can't you can't be responsible for the legacy. <laughs> he's not responsible for Tim Lovejoy, is he? No, well, <laughs> that's the thing. He is, but it's not his fault. It's not you know. See, a lot of people would probably trace that back to Bedina and Skill. Bedina was gonna. Yeah, similarly, but I think he started just. Well, but yeah, you're right. It was. It was a sort of post, post, and sort of like catching the wave after Euro '96 of football being very popular. But he was, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, German football was very popular. <laughs> Unlike before and, of course, since. Walking round uh, Deptford the other day really sort of cemented my view of it as a cultural hub. Every other... It felt like it's not true, but it, like every other shop front feels like it's gallery space. Yeah, there's or... a lot of it in it, Deptford X. Yeah. There's, yeah. uh... there's a real feel, there's a real buzz around the place, isn't there? A real sort of... There's a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah, yeah and it's nice because... As I say, my, my, my sort of feeling going into uh, the area was this is a place that has been failed by local and central government. They haven't invested in it properly. They haven't done right by the people. But it's nice in a way that people have done it themselves. Mm. A lot of these... The Deptford Dame. Yeah, this is it. A lot of these, a lot of these initiatives are community-based. And I'd rather people did that. You'd rather people sort of go, there's an empty space there, let's turn it into a performance space. And like, the amount of, in terms of square footage for performance, I think it's, uh, you know, it's remarkable. You've got um, the Albany, you've got the cockpit, you've got the bird's nest, um, you've got the new Deptford Lounge, which seems like a, a sort of remarkable, and that obviously would be a council initiative. But I think just the fact that you've got these other things going on gives a, a real momentum uh, to the whole area. In 2005, um, Deptford High Street was voted the UK's most vibrant and diverse. Wow. Which is a, a nice accolade generally, and you, but you sort of go, how have they done this? Is it a public vote? Apparently. A vibrometer. They, well, they use an algorithm. They use some sort of mathematical structure that to does work make, it out. That does make a. Yeah, that makes some sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I like the fact that there's science to it as well. It's not just someone going, I've got a good feeling about this place. Let's give them a... a, a it's like going, no, definitely it is. We did, uh, we did some uh, maths Here's as proof. well. Yeah. We did some arithmetic. Uh, we can show you our workings. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us to the end. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at SLHC Podcast. Steve, at Vince Wales. Me, at Jack McEnroy. At Yids. You'll find all these on the southernhardcore.com about page, I suppose. We're on Facebook as well. We're on the Hunter's Down. Yeah, and again, there's a link on the page. Mm-hmm.